Okay, sorry, I'm starting the audio a little bit late tonight. This is part two, October 12th, part two of the end of the age. Um, I'm on, now we're about to read the Mount Olivet Discourse, um, Matthew 24, 1 to, what did I say, 31, uh, 3 through 31, actually. So, Emily, are you up for reading? Uh, sure. <laughs> okay. Read, uh, yeah, read 3 through 14 or so. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many... Hold on, just one second. We better start with verse 1. I'm sorry, I forgot. That's the context. Oh, okay. <laughs> then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For a nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these Welcome are the down. beginning of sorrows. Then they, will Oops, yeah. then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive you. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Okay. Taylor, you up for taking it up after that? Oh, I don't have my phone. 14 to, I mean, 15 to, um, how about 31? Okay. Get you a good read in there. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken Matthew of 24. by Daniel the prophet 24. Matthew standing 24. in the holy place, whoever reads it, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be a great tribulation, such as not been since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor, shall, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved for the elect's sake those days will be shortened. Then if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, or there, do not, be, do not believe it. 
For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. Therefore, if they say to you, Look, he is in the desert, do not go out. Or, Look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man be. For wherever the, the carcass is, the eagles will be gathered together. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the signs of the Son of Man will appear in heaven and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elects from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Okay, thank you for reading. We just read <clears throat> Matthew 24, 1 to 31. Now the thing about this is, this forms, as I said, forms the basis for the pre, the preterist and the we haven't gotten to preterist yet. Hold on, <laughs> to the postmillennialists and the and the amillennialists millennialist, uh, doctrine, because they say, and we're going to see this in a second, that most of this was already fulfilled. In fact, some of them say all of this was already fulfilled, and so we're going to point out to you how some of it can be fulfilled in the 70 A.D because they, they say that it was all fulfilled then, that Jesus started his kingdom there, the sign of the Son of Man appeared in the heavens because he came in the clouds, and the clouds are people, and he came in us, and <laughs> it's pretty wild. So, uh, but I'll show you that. But anyway, the next slide I have here, we're just, let me give you just a little background about how different prophetic scriptures are fulfilled partially at one point and then another time again. So we've got as an example here, Joel 2, 28 to 32. That's the scripture where in Acts 2, Peter says, you know, when everybody gets filled with the Holy Spirit, hey, Sariah. <laughs> Just have to do that. She, um, and when, when the Holy Spirit falls on the day of Pentecost and they say, oh, these people are drunk, Peter says, no, they're not drunk. This is that which was spoken of by Joel the prophet in the last days. Your young men will see visions, dream dreams. Old men, I'm getting it mixed up, but that you know the scripture. Now, so yeah, it's important to say the last days. A day is like a thousand years, so days could be right thousands. Right, right. right. So, in anyway, so you've got Peter saying that. Well, let's just look at it right quick because this is the one we know maybe the least, the details. Joel is right after Hosea, which comes after Daniel and. So you can find it, Joel 2, 28 uh, and 29. All my men servants, all my maid servants, I'll pour out my spirit on those, um, in those days. And the very next verse says, and, and it's connected with A and D, and I will show wonders in the heavens and the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness, the moon into blood. Before the great and awesome day of the Lord, and it shall be that whoever calls on the name of the Lord. So... These verses are all meant, the prophet saw all of this together. He saw the, 
the Holy Spirit being poured out, people starting to dream dreams and see visions, and he saw the great and terrible day, all of it together. So he recorded it like that. But Peter didn't say the last part, right? He said that first part because that was the part that was being fulfilled there, at least partially, on that day of Pentecost. Okay, let's, let's go on to Luke 4, 18 to 19. We know this one fairly well because Jesus goes into the, to the synagogue in Capernaum right after he comes back from the wilderness from his 40-day deal. I think it wasn't too long after that. He goes into the synagogue. He opens the Isaiah scroll. They say, you want to read? And he goes to the Isaiah scroll and he says, Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. And he, he gets as far as to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Well, when you look at it in Isaiah 61, he's quoting Isaiah 61, right? Or he's reading it. He stopped. Why did he stop? And, and he stopped at 2A, I believe it is. Let's see. Isaiah 61. To proclaim the acceptable year. Yeah, he stopped at 2A. To proclaim the day of the Lord. And the second half of that verse says, and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all the more. It wasn't the day of vengeance. So he didn't. So, But right in the middle of the sentence, the time frame changes. See, so that's the thing that these guys that think that that uh, 70 A.D. and the destruction of the temple and, and the city of Jerusalem was all fulfilled in Matthew 24. Because it has to be, apparently it has to be all or nothing for these. I don't know. I mean, I'm just guessing. Because Anyway, so um, let's go down to Zechariah 9.9 is another one. Matthew says, the, the scripture says, um, Behold, your king is coming to you lowly and riding on a donkey, the, a colt, the foal of a donkey. And Matthew says in Matthew uh, 21.9, he says, Oh, this was to fulfill the prophecy of blah, blah, blah. Well, the very next line after um, he comes lowly riding on donkey, then it says, uh, the chariot will be cut off from Ephraim. <laughs> the battle bow will be cut off. The horse will be cut off from Jerusalem. And his dominion will be from sea to sea, from one end of the earth to the other, from sea to sea. I forgot what it says. Anyway, his he talk he's talking about the second coming of Christ, right? Yeah. Because he didn't have dominion from sea to sea at the first coming. He was a little, you know, he was a, a nice rabbi in Galilee. You know, that actually did, he was God, but we know that. But anyway, it was a little bit different than what was described in the second half of that. So I'm, I'm just bringing all this in to show us that prophetic scriptures jump from time frame to time frame. And they are partially fulfilled at one point and then more fulfilled at another. There's, well, like there's, the gospel has to go from one end to the earth to the other, so there's dominion. You know, there's going to be a remnant of carrying that dominion of him from mm -hmm. one end of the earth to mm -hmm. the other. And that is, that is an interesting, we'll talk about some of these in just a second, but while you said that, did you notice in, in Matthew 24, verse, I mean, 20, yeah, 24, what we just read, 14 it says and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations and then the end will come now I don't know where these guys could possibly that think that by 70 AD because remember even Thomas went to India yeah and you know what I mean there it's there were still masses of locations that didn't 
I mean, China was inhabited in 78, right? And South America, we got Mayan ruins down there from 2000 BC or older. You think they got to, I doubt it. <laughs> I don't think so. And all the nations. Mm. So, and there's different, different Greek words. This Greek word here in ver verse 14, I looked it up to make sure it's all the inhabited world. So yeah, there was lots of inhabitants outside the Middle East and India even. So we're gonna unpack it as we go along here. Um, I'm throwing in a l another few terms here, preterists and allegorists and partial preterists and futurists. Now, a, a preterist is one that believes that Revelation is, a partial preterist is most of Revelation is in the past, most of this, you know, Matthew 24 is in the past. A total preterist believes that all of it is in the past, you know, and a futurist is the ones that believe that there's a literal view of, of Revelation that's in the future. You don't have to know all that. I'm just giving you a little idea. Okay, so now we're going to unpack it a little bit. This is a picture of the book that I've got that Harold Eberly wrote called Victorious Eschatology. And I'm sure he's a good brother. I mean, I like a lot of what he says, but it's just, you know, it, so much of it is allegorized in here that I'm going, this makes scripture meaningless, you know. it's That's what's hard about all this stuff. And you're going to see a little bit of it as we go along. But, for instance... Uh, verse 21 of that chapter we just read says there will be great tribulation and I picture this is in 70 AD now I've read Josephus's account of 70 AD what happened and it was pretty gruesome I mean I think 97,000 Jews plus were slaughtered and they were I mean it was horrible they were stepping over bodies everybody was starving to death I mean you know and the actual destruction of the temple, which I want to talk about with you later when we get to the beast of Revelation and stuff. Um, Titus, according to Josephus, Titus and Vespasian, who was his um, underling at the point at that point, were trying to stop them from destroying the temple. But the Roman soldiers, who were actually Syrians and Egyptians, and who had a particular hatred for Jews were just enraged and did it even you know that's just fascinating and there's a reason why i'm going to bring that up later but anyway um there the, all that was happening other and they besieged it i don't know it was a month or something that was the worst part of it right before the temple was burned and everything was destroyed but jews were killed slaughtered you know had their bellies cut open looking for gold i mean it was gruesome it was horrible but it still wasn't six million jews it happened in the holocaust so that was not the worst time. You know, this scripture you says... Don't overwhelmed with what God sees from his viewpoint? Oh, I mean, yeah. when you stop for a second, you know... Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, but you'll see in a minute how these, these particular... I'll read you something that Brian Simmons said about, you know, the, the temple was over forever. God was done with with Judaism, the whole, and he was done with the temple sacrifices. I mean, in a very real way, Christ came, he died, he was, he was the sacrifice. But it was, it's like, you have a feeling these men really don't believe that God has anything much else to do with the Jews or Judaism. And that, that the, well, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. 
will go on. Worst time in all history. That wasn't the worst time in all history in 70 AD. Verse 15, okay, the prophecy of Daniel. It says, uh, Jesus says, when you see the abomination of desolation. Okay, Daniel saw that vision somewhere around 550 B.C., you know, in Daniel um, 9. I mean, he had that word from the angel. You're going to see the abomination of desolation. Then it happened in part by this Greek king named Antiochus Epiphanes. I'm probably not saying that right, but in 165 B.C. He went in, slaughtered a pig in the temple, desecrated the temple. It was horrible. Lots of Jews lost their lives and all that. And that's where we get the Feast of Dedication and Hanukkah. Because afterwards when they went and cleansed the temple, the lights, the, the candles stay burning, or the candelabra for seven days or whatever. Anyway, um, so then Jesus in 30 AD says, when you see the abomination of desolation, we go, well, wait a minute, that already happened. Well, must not have. Because he's speaking of it, it's going to happen. So um, that's another example. It didn't, it's not all completed in Matthew 24 in these events that are spoken of there. So in verse 30 now, Jesus returned in clouds of heaven. Now, as I told you a minute ago, Brian Simmons says that clouds are symbolic of people so that his, he did return in clouds of heaven. <laughs> this is wild. This is wild. Right. Well, because of the cloud of witnesses, that's the only place I can think of that he got that but anyways and he says that Jesus appeared in us it's all this very spiritualized you know um, allegorical I'm just like oh well what do you do with Daniel 7 where Daniel said and then I saw one like the son of man coming on the clouds and and God rides on the clouds makes the clouds his chariot in Psalm 104 I believe it is there's all kinds of imagery of God on the clouds. So it's not like this is isolated, right? But we need to know that this stuff is, this is what people are saying, you know, so you, you can be aware of, okay, well, what do I believe? Um, and we already talked about the gospel had not reached all the inhabited world. And then verse 31, the elect are gathered by angels from the four winds of heaven. I don't think that happened in 70 AD. <laughs> we would have heard about it. Somebody would have recorded that. Josephus would have told us or somebody. So, and here's a couple of other preterist views. They're views of the beast of Revelation. You all know that, you know, most people think he's the man of lawlessness that we looked at last week, the son of perdition the antichrist although there's not really a scripture that says the antichrist um but he's a man who exalts himself above god sits in the temple as he as he is god so there some of these preterists say that nero was the beast okay so when you get to revelation the beast was thrown into the lake of fire after a battle with jesus christ so did nero battle with jesus christ and get thrown into the lake of fire i don't think so <laughs> So what they do with that is kind of interesting. I looked at it a little bit, but I couldn't take a whole lot more. Um, anyway, so then where was... Okay, then I ask if Nero was the beast, where was and who was his prophet? Because in Revelation 13, there's a, his, his, his sidekick is a prophet that calls down fire from heaven. Pretty heavy duty, and Nero didn't have that. 
That would have been recorded for us, I'm sure, if there had been somebody around calling down fire from heaven. Um, okay, so, but Brian Simmons says the beast is the carnal nature of all mankind. He's not a real man in time and space. Let's see if I can read this part. Do you think the fact that they don't like to look at it literally is just a, a, a question of faith? Sometimes it's hard to believe what the word says because if you don't have the faith, you yeah. may not like the literal translation. If you don't have that measure of faith, then you're not going to believe. You well, know, you look at the, Daniel and the lion's den, look at the fiery furnace, all these things that happen. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't want to believe them, but a you lot gotta, of the things that are written are very literal. Yeah. You're like the Lord coming in the clouds. I mean, yeah. You might not want to believe that, but it literally, yeah, just like the fiery furnace, these people went in there, they turned it up high, and they came <laughs> out with the scorcher smell. Yeah, yeah. And, and it, there was somebody else in there, like Jesus. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, That's okay, right. Why don't, you have to believe or not believe. It's like a question of faith, really. And, and that's what we're going to see in a few minutes. They say that the sun and the moon and the stars, you know, turned it. Well, they're a symbol of governments, that the stars. Well, I'm going to give them this, that the stars in Job 38, the stars sang for joy, the sons of God sang. And in the book of Enoch, stars are kind of synonymous with angels. I'll give him that much. You know, that's okay. But the, the verse right before that, Jesus said, As the lightning flashes from east to west, so will the Son of Man, the coming of the Son of Man be. So he made clear that he was making a comparison to the lightning. He was using lightning as a symbol of his of how fast he would come. So why didn't he do? And as the sun and stars and moon fall, so the governments of the earth. I mean, as the governments of the earth fall, it will be like the sun and moon because he's perfectly capable of telling us when it's a symbol. Look at the blood moons; they do turn kind of red. Mm-hmm. Look at mm-hmm. the dark. The sun darkens when you have these solar Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. These are little things too. Well, and and Joshua, you know, prayed to the Lord, stop the day, and the sun stood still. That's right. God, God does things Even with the heavenly body. <laughs> but I, I believe that that these, I mean, I hear in Brian Simmons, for instance, and I listened to several of his webinars. It's been about a year ago, probably now, because I was kind of studying this and thinking. I heard him say here in Franklin at a church. I loved what he was. He was anointed preaching. I just loved it. And then at the end he said, I'm working on Revelation, and guess what? There's no Antichrist. And I went, did he really say that? <laughs> oh, my goodness. And so then I started researching what he was, and sure enough, and so, but from his webinars, you get the feeling that he's like, God, it's not that way. God is, it's, he's, it's not a judgment book. And I'm going. And then he says, it's really should it's really the revealing of the sons of God. I thought it says plain as day, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. So and then I thought, okay. Um, but it's it's and you know, here's some I love Graham Cook, but I heard Graham Cook say one time, there God is all his wrath was put on Jesus. There's no more wrath of God. What about the day of God's wrath? And Peter, you know, saying the earth's going to be burnt. I mean, it's all through, you know, anyway, to judge the earth, he's coming to judge the earth. <laughs> so, 
you know, there's mixture. We all have mixture and stuff. I don't that I mean those guys aren't believers and wonderful people, but there's just deception. There's going to be a lot of it floating around. That's what I'm saying. And we need to find out. Um, I was going to read you just something. I've got a couple things that he I could quote from what Simmons said. Jesus, oh, this was what... Mm. Simmons says that Jesus stood in front of the temple in Jerusalem and prophesied its destruction, and thus he was declaring that the era of the temple and sacrifices was over because he was about to be offered. Of course, in one sense, and I'm, this is me, the sacrificial system represented the temple wasn't necessary after the resurrection. But Simmons goes on to say that God will have nothing to do with another temple being built if it ever is, and that the era of the importance of the nation of Israel was also over at that pronouncement of Jesus. Wow. So you see these anti-Semitic threads running through here and, you know, replacement, I forgot what the new word for replacement theology is. There's some new word. There's a new word. But anyway, new replacement word. Anyway, I don't, you know, and and the way that, that Everly and he, I think it was Everly more so than Brian Simmons from something I read, the way they said the sign of the coming, that Jesus had come into his kingdom and he was seated on the throne now was that the temple was destroyed at last, the sacrificial. And I thought, how could God rejoice in the most holy place to him on the earth where he put his presence being destroyed and celebrate that his son was now sitting in? I mean, it really reeked of the church father's kind of spirit of disdain for the Jews. I, it was kind of scary because I've got a, some papers here I printed off some anti-Semitic statements right but read I mean written by the church fathers we're talking Augustine and Oregon and oh and, and even Martin Luther our Reformation father wrote horrible things about Jews being pigs and we should burn their synagogues I mean guys so it's, that just shows you it's, it's possible for any of us to go off on, to get so deceived. I mean, he was the man who, who said, it's by faith that we're saved, right? He saved us from all being under a ritualistic um, salvation, but he also, you know, let in a very dangerous spirit into his life that, a very bitter I think one of the biggest problems is there's the illiteracy with the Bible now. So many people are so illiterate. Yeah. Bible, they just haven't. Too many distractions, other priorities. Mm -hmm. they, they wrongfully put mm -hmm. before the Bible. Yeah. You know, with all the technology and whatnot. But the illiteracy is really contributing to a big problem mm -hmm. with it. And you're right, Sue. Because even, even look how the world reacted during the Holocaust. I mean, uh, the yeah. world did react to it. You know, they weren't so, you know what I mean, globally and anti-Semitism. They did rise up against that. Yeah. You know, 